Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There was a report yesterday about um, the new did you see that? You have a on that I didn't see it. I don't, I'm, I'm not really on social right now as much um, or anything like that, but I, I, I did see it because somebody sent it to me. <laughs> um, you know, no, that's not that's not that's not in my head right now at all. I, I didn't say that either. Um, so you know, I, I'm, I'm focused on what we're doing here. Obviously, I, I love Seattle. This is a place that I've I, I've, I've loved every day, every moment. Yeah, you say you intend to fulfill the contract you're under. Yeah, that's my hope, you know. My hope is to not just fulfill it. Hopefully I get to play here for, you know, 20 years of my career. Um, will that happen? I don't know. <laughs> um, but that's my prayer. That's my hope. Um, you know, I, I mean, all that stuff, that's, that stuff's in the future. You know? That stuff's down, down the road. Um, I think my, my, my mission, my focus that I can only do right now is focus on right now, today. Third down, red zone, light it up, have a great day. Uh, bring as much energy, as much focus as I can to this football team. As I, as I mentioned, I love this place. I love this you know, city and this team and, and what we can do. So I, I think my, my focus is on that, and that's, that's really what matters. Very different approaches by Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers to discontent. Aaron Rodgers not trying to compartmentalize his feelings about the front office with his focus on playing football. Russell Wilson kind of checked all those other issues at the door the moment he decided he's all in. For 2021, he had no choice. He made his move. And to the extent that anyone thinks he didn't try to get out of Seattle, first of all, come on. Second of all, the stories are out there. Anytime someone's agent, I can't say anytime because it's only ever happened one time in the 20 years that I've been covering the NFL, that someone's agent comes out and says, my client does not want to be traded. But if he were to be traded, he would accept a trade to the Cowboys, the Bears, the Raiders, or the Saints. That tells you everything you need to know. And Wilson himself was on Dan Patrick's show airing grievances just after the Super Bowl. The difference between him and Rodgers is once it's time to go focus on the season, he's not going to let himself be bogged down by any of those thoughts. He's got a job to do, and he's going to do it, and I respect him immensely for that. But that helps explain and helps us understand why he said what he said yesterday. Would he 
waive his no-trade clause for the Saints, the Broncos, or the Giants. Now, I got some questions about a couple of those teams, and we'll talk about that. Would he? Maybe. But that's the last thing that's going to hit his radar screen. I don't know who in his circle was talking about it, if anyone. We didn't write anything about the initial report just because I was a little skeptical about it because of the timing of it. Because, again, this isn't the kind of thing that Wilson or anyone in his circle would be talking about now, especially after a win. They just won. It would be different if they had lost to the 49ers. Then it would be a little more credible because it really does feel like it's crumbling. They still have borderline semi-plausible hope. So the idea that it comes out after they finally get a win and they beat the 49ers, that just seems like even more of a stretch that it's something that Wilson would be thinking about, talking about privately or whatever. He's thinking about, talking about, focusing on getting a win against the Texans this weekend. So, Shereen, look, I, I, I still think that after the season, he's going to want major changes. And if he doesn't get the changes he wants, he's going to want out. I think that's true. But for now... I believe what he says. It's the last thing he's thinking about. Oh, I do too, Mike. The timing's so weird. Trade deadline's passed. Look, this is not going to go away. It's going to be a storyline in the offseason. He helped create this. His agent helped create this. He became the highest paid quarterback, highest paid player in April 2019. He's now fifth. And I don't even know, and we I don't even know if he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL now. His contract makes him easier, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but his contract now makes him easier to trade this offseason than it did last offseason because he has no guarantees left. But does his value go down, Mike, because I don't know where he ranks. I don't know just is it him, is it the team? Like what is it that he can't get them over the hump? Three and five in the postseason since those back-to-back Super Bowls. And frankly, I don't think he's played that well over the last the first half of the last season he did, but since the second half of last season into this season, he just hasn't played that well in my mind. He hasn't been one of the top five quarterbacks in football. And again, whether that's the Seahawks or whether that's him, you have to decide that if you're trying to trade for a quarterback and considering giving up what the Seahawks are going to want for him. The cap charge is the big thing with Russell Wilson, and it would have been much higher last year they could have done the deal after june 1 and it would have been uh, spread over two years they would have taken part of the cap charge this year the rest of it in 2022 here i have it in front of me now there is still 26 million in cap charges that need to be taken now yeah that's not with the salary cap expected to be north of 208 next year that's manageable if you have to do it he's due to make 24 million next year and 27 million in 2023 if he would go to a new team he'd presumably get a new contract and if they would trade him officially after june 1 and if you're trading for him you probably want him in the building before then but after june 1 they could spread it between two seasons 13 2022 and 13 in 2023 and you asked where he ranks he's currently fifth right now among all quarterbacks mahomes new money average of 45 million josh allen 43 million Dak Prescott, 40. Deshaun Watson, who is getting paid $10 million this year to not play and has a $35 million salary, fully guaranteed next year. He's at $39 million. And Russell Wilson at 35. Aaron Rodgers at 33 and a half. Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff make the same amount of money. What is wrong with that <laughs> picture? Um, now, as it relates to Wilson 
and these teams that he supposedly would waive his no trade clause for. We don't know who the coach of the Broncos is going to be next year. Yeah. They're going to hire a coach long before they're in the market for Russell Wilson. We don't know what's going on with the Giants. Dave Gettleman is reportedly on his way out. And anytime a report like that comes from NFL media and the team doesn't refute it, tells me it's true. So Gettleman's out. Who's the new GM going to be? Are they going to change coaches? What does Russell Wilson think about Joe Judge? The last time he was linked to the Giants, it was pre-Joe Judge. So th these are things we don't know. The Saints are the only one that I would feel confident about because they were on the list last year and the structure is still in place this year. But, but it is premature. He can't be traded until March. And there will be a coaching carousel that happens that may change his thinking about those three teams, and it may bring other teams into the mix based upon where coaches and executives land by the end of January, Shereen. Well, and if the Raiders was on his team last year, we know that for a fact from his eight, nothing's changed with the Raiders. I mean, why wouldn't the Raiders be on well, his Well, there has been one change. There, there has been one significant well, change in, in Las Vegas. Yeah. The coach. That, although, although maybe coach. it's more attractive without John Gruden there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see who they hire. But, you know, it's more likely Seattle's going to trade him to an AFC team or they want to trade him to an AFC team. If it's an F NFC team, they're going to have to offer significantly more than any AFC team wants or offers because they want him in the AFC. They don't want him in the NFC, so that's going to be a big deal. So you're going to look first at the, who the AFC teams are that he would go to before you look at the NFC teams because it's going to take a lot more for an NFC team to get him uh, than the AFC team. If I'm the Seahawks, I'm not trading him to New Orleans. Are you kidding me? Russell Wilson with, with Sean Payton, that could be an outstanding partnership that could last perhaps as long as, as Drew Brees played. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And one of the questions this year is the regression of the Seahawks. How much of it is Wilson? How much of it is his finger? Should he have not played with that finger injury? How much gas does he still have in the tank? He was slipping in relation to other quarterbacks before the season because there are younger guys who are, I hate to say this because I've always been a big Russell Wilson guy, there are younger guys who are better than him. So it's one thing to hold where you are. That's fine. I'm still the same guy I always was. Oh, wait. I'm looking up at these guys who, these young guys. Oh, boy, Kyler Murray. I mean, right now, you'd take Kyler Murray over Russell Wilson any day of the week, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even you, and, and the president of the I, I Hate would. Kyler Murray fan club? I, I absolutely would. And you start, that's what, that's my point. When you start ranking him, is he in the top 10? He's not in the top, he wouldn't be in my top five. Would he be in my top 10? Probably, but more probably toward the bottom of that than, I mean, it'd be hard to, to have him up there and he's top paid top five, but I, it, to me, he's not a top five quarterback anymore. And I guess that's what you have to determine. Is it him or is it the team and how much of it is him and how much of it is the team? He has one 300 yard game this season. And you look at the receivers, it's not the receivers. I mean, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are as good as they come. You're not getting better receivers than that. So you know, they don't have a running game, and I know that hurts them, and there are always questions about their offensive line. I mean, even he questioned their offensive line after last season, and he gets takes a lot of sacks. But how much of it is him, Mike, and how much of it is the Seahawks? And that, a team trading for him, has to determine that. And it may be at the end of the year, Jody Allen, the owner of the team, who reportedly is unhappy with the current direction, she has to make some decisions. It may be choose between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. It may be reset. It may be hire a new coach and let new coach decide what to do with quarterback. 
kind of like what we heard last year from the Falcons when they hired a new GM and a new coach. We're going to let them figure out what to do with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. They ended up trading Jones and keeping Ryan. So that may be part of what goes on. But there's a lot that needs to happen in Seattle and elsewhere before we ever get to the point where there's even a thought. That's why we shied away, frankly. One of the reasons why we shied away from that report. It's too early to know where the desirable seats are going to be. And it's too early for Russell Wilson to know that he doesn't want to be in Seattle. And by the way, for those of you who aren't accustomed to seeing Shireen in the mornings and hearing some of the banter, it's a good-natured ribbing that we engage in because she's extremely loyal to Texas A&M and Kyler Murray transferred from (laughs) Texas A&M. So that's where the jokes come that she hates Kyler Murray. I can say for the record, she doesn't hate Kyler Murray as much as she used to. All right, let's uh, let's. <laughs> Kyler Newton. Murray for MVP. He's got my That's MVP right. vote right now. Well, your finalists on Monday were Kyler Murray and T.J. Watt. Bye bye T.J. Watt. Now. Hello Kyler Murray. All right, uh, Cam Newton, the 2015 NFL MVP, meeting with reporters yesterday for the first time since that bizarre firing of offensive coordinator Joe Brady tucked into the the new bad news dump. <laughs> Announce your bad news during seven NFL games. Here's Cam Newton talking to reporters about the situation and about the playoff hopes of the Carolina Panthers. Not playing for respect at this point and not even looking past like playoffs or anything like that. Hey, can, can we please stop mentioning that word? I'm trying to get a win. Hell, I'm, I'm 0-2. Right, I, I'll be I'll be lying to somebody. Be like talking about playoff football, bro. The important thing for me, bro, is and no disrespect to your question. It's it's just like, yeah, we know what the grand scheme of things is, but the reality is like I'm owing to like the feel good the feel good story of Cam coming back, like, and I said this then, and I'm gonna say it now. This ain't no Cinderella. Like I'm here to win football games, right? So all the feel-good stories about how we met and this, that, and the third, like, bro, who got cut, who got released, who got – man, I'm here to win. And when we win, everybody else gets promotions. And when you don't, a lot of people going to get cut along the way. So that's just the harsh reality of, of, of the league that we play in. But I'm not telling you nothing that you don't know. I just want the, the, the message of this to be – I'm focused all on Atlanta. Do I think I had something to do with it? The competitor in me, absolutely, yes. Because the truth of the matter is you don't lose your job because of success. But where I'm at now is doing what I can control to make sure that uh, I have a job too. Let's Let's just be honest. That latter part, obviously, about Joe Brady and the firing of Joe Brady. And there was a moment during the press conference yesterday where Cam Newton was asked whether he stayed in Charlotte to work with Joe Brady and Sean Ryan, the quarterback's coach, during that bye. And Cam Newton steered clear, very clear. Now, because there's a story to be told. There's a story to be written. There's a story to be reported on why in the hell the Panthers fired Joe Brady halfway through their 14-day break between games. Because if you want to get Jeff Nixon, who's going to take over the play calling, ready to go, you fire Brady on Monday. You don't do it 
six days after that. And I can't help but wonder, and this is common sense, Occam's razor, the only razors that I ever use reliably without cutting my face, but the, the basic explanation, the simplest explanation, Occam's razor stands for the proposition that the simplest explanation is usually the accurate explanation. Joe Brady and Cam Newton didn't click. Joe Brady and Cam Newton didn't get along. Joe Brady was having a hard time teaching his offense to Cam Newton. Cam Newton was rejecting that offense, and Joe Brady wasn't being flexible. And I remember saying this from the outset. It's not so much teaching Cam Newton the Joe Brady offense. It's teaching Joe Brady the Cam Newton offense. You got to adapt your approach. You got to adapt your offense. You got to adapt your strategies and your tactics and your plays and everything to the talent that you have. Cam Newton isn't Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater. You got to have a different approach. And it may be that it just blew up. It just blew up. And that's it. And they're all in with Cam for the rest of the season. And if Matt Rule already had doubts about Joe Brady, easy and clean break. Let's do it. Let's move on. If I'm going to do it anyway after the season, let's just do it now and try to salvage this so I don't get fired too. Imagine that, Mike. When you have a great quarterback, it makes you look like a great offensive coordinator. And that's what Joe Brady was at LSU when he had Joe Burrow. He was outstanding. That's why he got the Carolina offensive coordinator job was because of what he did with Joe Burrow at LSU. And he's going to get a job somewhere else and could be highly successful doing that. I mean, we were talking about him as a head coaching candidate potentially when that LSU job came open, everybody looked kind of a little bit toward Joe Brady and said, would they consider Joe Brady as much as he's beloved at LSU? But you give him Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold and now Cam Newton, who he may or may not have wanted, and you see what the result is. I mean, Cam Newton had his career-low passer rating of 5.8. It's impossible to do that. 5 of 21 against the Dolphins, 92 yards, 2 interceptions against the Dolphins. This wasn't like the 1985 Bears defense, Mike. They did this against the Dolphins. Oh, I know, and I actually thought the Panthers were going to win that game. Shows you how little I know about how the dominoes are going to fall when it's time to go out and play. And as to Joe Brady, I now wonder, is he like the new John Filippo? Remember that name? I don't even know where Filippo yeah, is right. right now. That's a great point. But he was the, the young, hot coordinator that's he's on his way, and it's just a matter of time before he's a head coach, and it's just media creation, and we all fall in line, and all oh, this person's talking about John Filippo. I better talk about John Filippo, or I'm not going to look like I know what I'm talking about. And and that's how people get boosted and agents get involved and they push and they push and the name gets circulated. And at some point, you got to do the work. And it could be that Matt Rule's wrong. It could be that Joe Brady deserved to stay. It could be that whatever Joe Brady was saying about Cam Newton was accurate. Can't work with this guy. He won't listen to me. I, I, I'm, I'm speculating here. I don't know what the truth is. But for him to be told to pack his stuff and go... That's what made Matt Rule's comments from Monday so freaking bizarre. He's so nonchalant about it. It's like, dude, you didn't bench a guy. You fired a guy. You told, And I know that they're numb to it because they do it with players all the time. The idea of telling an assistant coach during a season, pack your things and leave, that's not the result of just, well, you know, I decided to go in a slightly different direction this week. That's a hugely different direction this year and beyond. And I just think that that it speaks to 
number one, their desire to tuck it into the seven one o'clock Eastern games on Sunday, and uh-huh. two, that there was some there's you know we say dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things, and sometimes it's not a matter of shrugging when the dysfunctional team does something dysfunctional it's seeing something dysfunctional and working backwards and saying we have found ourselves yet another dysfunctional team well matt rules comment too about well i tried to call him in saturday to give him the news but he couldn't come in saturday so we had to do this on sunday as the explanation for why they put this firmly in the one o'clock starts of, of these games and it really got buried as news. And I don't believe that at all. I, I mean, maybe he did indeed come in on Sunday, but that's not the reason they announced this on Sunday. I think they did it as a, a, a news dump, a bad news dump, and they did it. They found a perfect place to put it. But that explanation of, well, he, wasn't, he couldn't come in on Saturday, so we got him in on Sunday, just, it, that, that just didn't add up for me. Why do they have to lie about everything? And I'm not picking on Matt Rule here, but he is the guy who made the rounds at the scouting combine in 2020 just before the world turned upside down and tried to tell everybody how he was looking forward to coaching Cam Newton. And I don't think he meant after we cut him and he plays for someone else and then is available for eight weeks and we bring him back out of the blue. I don't think he was talking about, you know, 19 months later. I think he was talking about just a few months later. But there's a point where... I don't know. I just think that, and I understand that football strategy on the field and off the field requires a certain amount of deception, strategic deception aimed at causing you to be more likely to vanquish your opponent. But there is a point where you just don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to lie. See, you put yourself in a position where you have to lie when you deliberately select 115 Eastern during games on a Sunday in order to create minimum attention. And then when you're asked about it, you come up with some cockamamie story as to why you didn't announce it any earlier. And and maybe it is the absolute truth that I just, I don't, I choose not to accept that it's the truth. Uh, and again, we have plenty of examples we can point to over time as to where coaches have told us something other than the truth, because the truth was too inconvenient. Here's the truth. We need to take a break when we return. Mike McCarthy is back, and he told the truth about something that maybe he should have kept to himself. We'll discuss that when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
we're just really focused on self-improvement and winning. You know, we, we got to do whatever we got to do to win the game. Um, but these guys are very accountable. The work ethic of our football team, the whole space is very high. Uh, they're very accountable. Uh, we know what people think of us. We love that. Uh, we're comfortable who we are, where we are. Uh, but I'm excited about what's in front of us because, you know, we, we you know, we're, we're going to win this game. Um, I'm confident in that, and just to, you know the prep that's going into it. Uh, but you know, more importantly, we're going to, you know, we want to improve too along the way. So I think that's all part about what the challenge of December football gives you. What is your response when you hear a head coach saying that? I think it's interesting. I don't think it's important. I think that's the big mistake. Is because as far as I'm concerned, you know, you do that for a couple of reasons. One is you want to get in our head, and so I've told our players this is that's interesting. It's not important. It's important is our preparation, getting ready to play on Sunday. Secondly, he's trying to convince his team, you know, so again, I think that's another mistake because he's now made it about him and what he said. It's not about his players anymore. So I think that's the big mistake. That's why to me, you know, you don't do those things. What you do is you focus in on, you get ready and you play football. We show up on Sunday and we'll see what happens. Ron Rivera sees the candor of Mike McCarthy and raises him a little more candor, although I'm more comfortable with what Ron Rivera had to say. It adds some juice to one of the most compelling games of Week 14. This feels like it shouldn't be a 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff. This feels like a much bigger game. And I know we've got Bills and Bucks in the late afternoon window, but this Washington-Dallas game, this was – the first, I've told you before, the first college rivalry I ever was aware of was Texas and Texas A&M. Dallas and Washington was the first NFL rivalry I was ever aware of. And they've got two games coming up against each other. And the Cowboys have a two-game lead. And the stakes are now up considerably as the Cowboys try to be more like they were earlier this year when they were 7-1. and one. They, they Even though they beat New Orleans last Thursday night, it was a little sluggish. It was a little sloppy. And they're not the team that they were early on, and they're kind of still trying to figure out what went wrong. Is that a fair read of where they are? It is a fair read, Mike. But going back first to the comment, like I'm just so excited. This has me more excited about this game because it reminds me of the George Allen days. I mean, if you ask a Cowboys fan, I don't know about Washington fans, but if you ask Cowboys fans here in Dallas-Fort Worth which NFC East team they hate more, it's Washington. There is no question about that. And this kind of has that rivalry back with both teams being pretty good, fighting for playoff spots, fighting for the division lead, all of that. This just adds into it. But I'm right there with you. These teams have headed in different directions over the course of the last four games, five games, whatever it is. But since Dak Prescott came back from that calf injury against New England, his five games back, seven touchdowns, four interceptions, he's lost a fumble. The team is two and three. I don't know if it's a calf injury. I don't know if it was the lack of that practice time. I don't know if it's still bothering him. He's not on the injury report. I don't know what it is, but this hasn't been the same team that it was up to that New England game. They were outstanding to that point, and they haven't been the same team. Now, they're getting Randy Gregory back. They're getting at full strength now. They have these guys coming back. There'll be no more excuses. If they go out and lose this game on Sunday, I have real questions about the direction of this team and where they're going this season. But if they win this game, I think you're looking at them again as a contender because, Mike, at that point, they'll have all of their defensive guys back. They'll be healthy. And I think at that point you go, hey, this is a really good team who has a chance to do something special in the postseason. And McCarthy back in the building yesterday, that was his press conference upon his return from his bout 
with COVID. And it wasn't just tested positive and had to stay away for a while. He had it. And he said, and this comes from our friends at 105.3 The Fan in Dallas-Fort Worth, it's an experience that I never want to revisit again. So you have to wonder, just because he's back, is he really back? Is he really fine? Is he feeling okay? I, re- I remember the issue of brain fog with Cam Newton last year. I mean, these are all relevant considerations as you're getting ready to play a football game, and you're you're making up for lost time. You haven't been around. You've been out of sight, out of mind. I know they do the video conferences, but it's not the same as being there. That's another impediment potentially for the Cowboys as they pack up and go to Washington for one of the more compelling games of the weekend. From an injury standpoint, Tony Pollard tore the plantar fascia in his foot on that long touchdown run against the Saints, kind of that backbreaker run. He says he's a game-time decision. Ezekiel Elliott has been off the injury report lately, although there's still concerns about his knee. They need that ground game. They they, they can get too one-dimensional. They need the ground game. If they, I, Where in the world did he tear his plantar fascia? Maybe there at the tail end. Because I'm saying he's if he's running with a torn plantar fascia, he's game-time decision is he's He's playing in the game, but uh, uh, they, they need they need that presence in the running game to balance out the passing game to have the best offense they can have, Shereen. Well, and they do, and they have a great one-two punch, and Pollard's been the guy with Zeke being hurt. Zeke has played more snaps, but in the past four games, since Zeke went on the injury report with that knee injury, Zeke has 220 yards and three touchdowns as with 49 touches where Pollard has 310 yards and a touchdown. He's been much better as a running back with that team. Now, I know why Zeke has played, and I know why Zeke has played more. He's so much better in blitz pickup. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL, picking up the blitz as a blocker. He's outstanding. That's why he's playing more. But as a pure runner and helping the team, Pollard's been the guy. So, you know, they need both of those guys. If Pollard's hurt, then you have to hope, if you're a Cowboys fan, that Zeke's knee is okay, that it's improving. He's still on the injury report, but he's been a full participant in practice. But he hasn't looked like the same Zeke, Mike. Whatever's going on with that knee, he hasn't looked like the same guy over these last few games. No, you're absolutely right. And Pollard has looked much better, torn plantar fascia or not. Pollard looks like the better guy. Let's take a break. When we return, we're going to do a rip-through in the Verizon Speed round of some of the other games to pay attention to in Week 14. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. I feel a renewed energy just this week just because there is, you know, all your goals are still there. and You, you get that mood in the building. Yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the mentality we went into the last two weeks is we still have everything in front of us. And, um but now it's, I mean, it's crunch time. Everybody's talking about playoffs, but that's when we need to have that, you know, singular focus, block out everything else and realize that, you know, we need to take care of business one day and one week at a time. That's for darn sure for Baker Mayfield and the Browns at six and six. Disappointing so far for the Browns. They get their rematch this weekend with the Ravens. And it is time now for today's speed round brought to you by Verizon, the official 5G network of the National football league let's start there shireen i don't like this i don't like ravens hosting browns browns getting a week off then browns hosting ravens you got 17 games now you can spread them out a little more i understand it's a lot to do with 272 games i get it but i don't like i just don't like it and if i'm the ravens i hate it because from the moment my last game against the browns ended 
their singular focus has been the next four quarters against me. In between, I had to go play the Steelers. Yeah, and a very physical game that almost went to overtime. So absolutely. And this is a must win for the Browns, Mike. If they lose this, forget it. I, I, th- I think they're probably done. But we're talking about two quarterbacks now who both need contracts. And one has gone one way and one has gone the other way. So this is a big, big, big game for Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he's ever had a bigger game in his career than this one. The Ravens and the Browns both one and two in the division. And everyone in the division is otherwise and totally at or above 500. It is amazing. And, uh, well, I I agree with you. The Browns desperately need this one. I picked the Browns to win it yesterday just because the desperation factor and the ability to spend 14 days going back. It's it's the ultimate halftime adjustment. Think about it. Yeah. You got 14 days of halftime adjustment between the – first four quarters and the second four quarters of your games against the Baltimore Ravens. So I think that gives the Browns an edge. We were supposed to see it last year in the Giants Dolphins rivalry or Jets Dolphins, excuse me. One of the teams was supposed to be off during the bye. I think in between the two games, I think it was the Jets that were supposed to be off. And then there was COVID rescheduling that messed that up. So this is rare. And if I'm the Ravens, I'm not happy about it. All right. The Raiders and the Chiefs. Chiefs still aren't happy about the victory lap that the Raiders took with their buses last year when they won this game at Arrowhead Stadium. Different circumstances this year. The Raiders are 6-6 six and six and sinking. The Chiefs are 8-4 and four and rising. And when they last played four weeks ago, the Chiefs won in Las Vegas 41-14 to 14 with Patrick Mahomes throwing five touchdown passes. Shereen, I know that you know Rich Bisaccia all the way back to your days in Tampa covering the Bucks. But for me, this all boils down to Andy Reid versus Rich Bisaccia. I don't know how the Raiders are going to reverse the outcome that we saw four weeks ago in primetime. Well, and I, I think ultimately that game against the, the, the Chiefs, the first meeting on Sunday night football might have stuck in, in Mark Davis's mind too and might cost Rich Bisaccia any chance he had at the head coaching job. And that was just a thorough whipping with a chance to get first place in the division. That was for, based on what happened earlier that day, that was for first place in the division. And the Raiders went out there and they laid an egg at home. And if you're Mark Davis, that you're not going to forget that, especially if they go out and lose to the Chiefs again uh, this time. But that was kind of a turning point, I think, for the Raiders this season and their season and what they have to hope for because I don't see them as they're just too up and down. They look great against the Cowboys and they come out and lose, you know, the next week. So it, it there's too up and down and they just got killed by the Chiefs. So I don't see this as a playoff team. I think Andy Reid and the Chiefs are going to go out and do what they did last time, Mike. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. And I think it's going to be over for the Raiders as well if they fall to 6-7. and seven. 49ers-Bengals, rematch of a couple of Super Bowls from days gone by. Both teams in need of a win. The 49ers, after three straight wins, they had a little issue in Seattle last weekend and did not extend it to four. The Bengals are the ultimate up-and-down team this year. Every time that they convince people that they're moving in the right direction, they end up losing a game. Joe Mixon is out, not officially yet, but he's been out of practice. Joe Burrow threw on Thursday, which is good. He's got the pinky injury. The 49ers need this one badly, and and I know the Bengals need it too, but 
And and see, the Bengals will know. This is a late afternoon game. They'll know whether they have an opportunity to tie the Ravens for first place in the division by the time the game begins or maybe right at about. I don't know if this is a 405 or a 425, but the Ravens and the Browns take care of their business early. Uh, for the Bengals, it may be an opportunity to pull themselves into a tie for first place in the AFC North. And you just wonder if that knowledge will help them get get that extra little kick because we know they're capable we just don't know when they're going to show up and get it done well I'm very curious how that finger is going to affect Joe Burrow too and I think you're the one to talk about how important that pinky finger is throwing the ball after talking to some quarterbacks but if it's if it's good great they've got a great chance if it's not they may be in a little bit of trouble especially with Joe Mixon if he doesn't play or if he's banged up which we know he is banged up so how much of a running game are they going to have so they need Joe Burrow to be close to 100% or at least able to throw the ball I know he's experimenting with a lot of things this week whether to splint it tape it gloves no gloves exactly what he needs to do and he said there is a lot of pain there so Hopefully he can figure something out this week to be able to throw the ball effectively and not be in in, in a ton of pain to do that. But that's going to be something to watch, Mike, early in this game. And guess what? If if he's not right, Bosa and his teammates are going to tee off on him knowing that, that he can't throw the ball correctly. Sims had a little bit of a different take on the grip earlier this week, and if you watched PFT Live, Shireen, you would know that that he did this. Um, Busted again for the second time in roughly 18 hours. But Burrow keeps his pinky under the, the laces. So Sims interprets that as being he doesn't have that pinky pressed as tightly against the ball as he otherwise would, so it's more about his ring finger than his pinky. Now, if the pinky's up, on the laces, it's different, but the pinky off the laces, that's how Sims explained it the other day, so who knows. I do know this. Burrow played well despite having yeah. that injury, and Sims says when you let go of the ball, that's when the pain kicks in because then you, your hand goes limp, and that's when it moves, and that's when you feel it. And we saw the pain he was going through. So uh, there's Joe Burrow, and there's the pinky just under the laces. We'll see if they can get beyond and over the 49ers on Sunday. That is a 425 start, so they will know by kickoff barring overtime, whether or not they have an opportunity to win and tie the Ravens atop the AFC North. Also starting at 425 Eastern on Sunday, Bills versus Bucks. Potential Super Bowl preview still theoretically, but not with the same kind of cachet that it had yeah. back in September and early October when it was like, wow, ooh, when, when they, can they play sooner? Oh, boy. The Bills have fallen off after starting 4-1, and one, and they were as dominant. They were the only dominant team in the NFL, not as dominant as anyone. They were the only dominant team. They're 3-4 and four since then. How can you bounce back? After what they endured on Monday night against the Patriots, and they finally had the air taken out of the balloon that made them think they were going to rule the division indefinitely, this is going to be a tough one. This is the worst possible time. After facing... Their longtime nemesis Patriots, they have to face their longtime nemesis Tom Brady six days later. I, this is not going to end well for the Bills, Shereen. I don't think. Uh, I, don't, yeah, I don't see it ending well either, Mike. And to me, this is the most, I don't know if it's the Browns or the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills, though, as the most disappointing team so far in the NFL, just the way they played in these last few games. To lay that egg at home on Monday night was just disappointing. 
I know for them, and their inability to run the football. Unfortunately for them, the Bucs are so good against the run, they weren't going to run it that much anyway. They'll have good weather in Tampa, presumably. It'll be warm anyway. They won't have to worry about the cold or the wind or shouldn't have to. So Josh Allen can throw the ball, but this to me is do or die for this team, especially as their division hopes go. All right, we're going to take a break. When we return, it is the Friday tradition in season, the Show Me Something draft. We'll do that next here on Pro Football Talk Live. Pro Football Talk is brought to you by Verizon, the official 5G network of the NFL. I'm just happy he decided that he wanted to come out of retirement. Obviously, playing together with him is... You know, it's awesome for me. And when I, you know, chose the Bucks, I wasn't sure, you know, if he was going to come out of retirement or if he wanted to play. But it was, it's been amazing, you know, to watch him perform. He's obviously the greatest tight end to ever played a game and um, still doing it. And, again, I think his ability to block in the run game, run routes in the pass game, win against smaller players, and then he's very clutch. I mean, he comes up big in the biggest moments. Tom Brady praising Rob Gronkowski as being the best tight end ever. Brady, the best quarterback ever. And I I still don't know how people can argue that. You can disagree with certain things about Brady, the TB12 stuff and the avocado ice cream. And the the guy is a winner. The guy continues to win, and he may end up with Super Bowl number eight as soon as this year. All right, it's the Show Me Something draft, and this was the first clue that Shereen Williams is asleep usually when PFT Live is on because when we said that segment Uh six will be the Show Me Something draft, she said, what does that mean? (laughs) That means that that she does not watch Peter King and me on Fridays in season, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, She's not on duty then. She's not expected to watch the show. So Show Me Something, you know by now what it is. You get the first pick. Oh, wow. I get the first pick. Don't even have to answer a a Jan Brady question. That's amazing. I am going to take the Chiefs offense, Mike. They have a five-game win streak, but it's been because of their defense. Their defense has allowed 11.2 points per game during that streak. Last seven games, 13-7. Their offense has not gotten it done, which is just amazing. Third in yards, but they're tied for 13 in points. Pat Mahomes has got to be better than what he has been. He's 17th in passer rating. We're not used to him being that low. We're not used to not hearing his name in the MVP conversation. But it's not there simply because they've been carried by their defense. Too many interceptions, 12 for him this year. I need to see more out of that Chiefs offense this week. I said this earlier in the week. I'm waiting for Josh Gordon, and I think they're waiting for Josh Gordon. He started the Sunday night game. He had 13 snaps, no targets. If he can step up at some point, that offense can maybe hit a higher level of achievement. Josh Allen needs to hit a higher level of achievement. And I know that it can't all be just him, but at some point, it's a combination of Allen and Brian Dayball. they got to work together to get more out of that offense because he's going to have his hands full with that Buccaneers defense. They're not going to be able to run the ball. This is Josh Allen reestablishing himself as one of the great young quarterbacks in the NFL. This is his opportunity. This isn't an under-pressure show-me-something. This is your chance to stand up and show us that you still are one of the best in the NFL. And what better way to do it than against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers? 
Well, no question about that, Mike. And and they, he does have his opportunity. And Brian Dayball has his opportunity, right? Sean McDermott ripped him after that game the other day. So he needs to step up too. And I had them as, as one of my top picks as well because I think the Bills need to step up. All right, round two, you're up. All right, Ryan Tannehill, two and two since Derrick Henry went out when he injured that foot. They have losses to the Texans and the Pats in that stretch. He has four touchdowns, six interceptions uh, during the last four games. This year, Mike, they have losses to the Jets and the Texans. Now, they did manage to beat the Jaguars in week five, so we'll see if they can do it again. But I don't think this is a lot for them simply because of the way they're playing the way their offense is playing. I know when he gets his receivers back, I realize they've had a lot of injuries at receivers, but he's got to play better for the Titans to be able to do what they think they can do and maybe, just maybe, get Derrick Henry back for the postseason. Coming out of the bye week, no excuses, Jaguars at home, and he had the four-interception game, had an interception in the game after that. You're right, he's got to get it done. Baker Mayfield, it's time. It's time. You've had two weeks to heal. You got the Ravens coming to town. It's time to step up. Show that you're the right quarterback for that team. Show that you're the guy that deserves the money that you're looking for. This is it. This is the stretch run. He said it himself. It starts against the Ravens on Sunday. If he's going to be the guy long-term in Cleveland and get the money he wants, he's got to get started on it now. We got to take a break. When we return, we'll do round three of the Show Me Something draft right here on Pro Football Talk Live. Here we go, round three, show me something. Week 14, Shereen Williams, you are up. Well, your last pick was Baker Mayfield. I'm going to stay with the same team, Mike. I'm going to say Miles Garrett, and the reason is he's been really good. We know that, but he was the midseason defensive player of the year choice. T.J. Watt passed him on Sunday with those three-and-a-half sacks against the Ravens, and he passed him for the sacks lead, and we were all talking about T.J. Watt for the MVP. Now we're not talking so much. Now we're back to Miles Garrett. What can you do against the Ravens? Can you get yourself three and a half sacks against the Ravens? Coming off a of bye week, they need a big game from Miles Garrett on the defensive side of the ball. He can get himself back as the favorite as defensive player of the year, too, in the process. I like how you single out a couple of Texas A&M guys because they are embarrassing the school with their recent performances. You're putting the heat on them. You want them to do the Aggies proud. I'm going to go last run for me, Cam Newton. I was looking at the slate of games. It's like, you know, different ones pop up. But Cam Newton, they they fired Joe Brady. And one of these days we're going to find out the story. But I'm not going to be surprised if the story is it just didn't work between Brady and Cam Newton. All right. You, you got Jeff Nixon calling the plays now, and presumably it's going to be a Cam Newton offense. It's not the Jeff Nixon offense. It's the Cam Newton offense. Let's see what Cam Newton can do with the Falcons coming to town. I think the Falcons are going to win that game. I just have a feeling that the Panthers are in kind of disarray right now, and if anyone is going to pull them out of it, Shereen, it's going to be Cam Newton. Yeah, we've seen him do it before. 2015, he was the MVP of the league, so he certainly has it in him to do it. His very first game, he was outstanding, threw a touchdown, ran for a touchdown and limited snaps. He's capable of it, but it's time for him to step up for this team to try to get them to the postseason. No Christian McCaffrey. It's up to Cam Newton now. All right, Sunday Night Football, Bears at the Packers. Justin Fields will play. Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers are chasing the one seed, which I think they will get in the NFC. It's a 12-point spread. Do you see any set of facts where the Bears can pull off the victory? 
No, absolutely not. I think the Packers <laughs> win this, and Aaron Rodgers continues to own the Bears. The owner, continues the real to own owner the Bears. of the Bears. And there's all this talk, and I see it all the time. The sports writers won't vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP. Well, we got one of the voters right here. And if they win the one seed in the NFC, yes. will you vote for I'll Aaron Rodgers for, for MVP? There you yes. go. So I don't know about the other 49, but I know about one. Shireen will do it. So you got to find a different narrative if you're going to try to push this idea that the sports writers are all against Aaron Rodgers right now. That's it for today. Enjoy your Friday. We'll see you at 5 Eastern for PFTPM. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.